Reading Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept telling, asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has authority to set those days and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we ask God to speak to us through his word that we've just heard uh, right now, uh, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to come together in a creative way, via technology, to worship you together to hear uh, each other's voices, uh, and Father, to open your word up and allow you to speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, we look forward to the time when we'll be able to meet together uh, as believers in Jesus again, physically, but in the meantime, we thank you for this opportunity. And God, we pray that as we now reflect on our opportunity in this time, to pray, to seek your face. Would you encourage us, challenge us, and motivate us to see your kingdom come in power on this earth? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, last week I spoke from Acts chapter 2, the chapter that comes after what we just read uh, from chapter 1. Uh, I spoke from verses 42 to 47 in Acts 2, the passage that says the believers met together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and prayer and fellowship and breaking of bread, they saw miracles, they saw people coming to Christ every day, all that sort of thing, this, this beautiful picture of the church that's just thriving. Um, it, the church as it's meant to be in, in Acts 2, 42 to 47. Um, some of that, what that looks like, we can't do it right now. We can't 
meet in each other's homes. We can't break bread together, uh, even though we, we have shared in some way communion this morning. Um, but much of what Acts 2, 42 to 47 says still remains possible in this technological age. It's, it still is possible for us to uphold each other in prayer. We can still have great generosity towards those who are in need. We can still have uh, fellowship, at least via technology. And, of course, we can still see people come to Jesus in the midst of all of this. Much of it is still possible. Our uh, core values as a church essentially come from this passage of Scripture, Acts 2, 42 to 47. I encourage you to have another read of it later. This picture of the church as it's meant to be. And last week I suggested that what we could do is reframe these values that we have as a church, four core values, for a season like this one. That we could posture ourselves with complete dependence on God, with creative community, engaging in creative community, that we could make the home holy again in this time, make the primary place where faith develops, and that we could use this time to bring hope to the lost. Just imagine an Acts 2, 42 to 47 church in the midst of the coronavirus. Imagine a church that is, is more alive than ever. It's more contagious faith than ever. Uh, despite everything that's going on around us, the church still thriving. I, I actually believe uh, with many others at this moment in time that God is doing something very unique right now. He's doing something very significant, very powerful in this season that God is mobilizing and preparing his church, his people, so that he can move wonderfully and move powerfully through us during this time. Uh, to do something like what he did in the early church when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2 and thousands came to faith. Uh, the move of God which, which led to the church being fully alive in Acts 2, 42, 47. Uh, now this virus, let's be clear, COVID-19 is not from God. God did not create this thing uh, in order that something might happen through it. God isn't pleased by it. Let, let's be crystal clear on that. Anything that is this awful and is this destructive comes only from the evil one. It's, 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 not, it's destroying lives, it's destroying communities, it's destroying whole nations, and, and God is absolutely heartbroken by something like this. He's, he's grieved by, by all of it, by everything that is happening. So why doesn't God do something about it? That's a question we may be asking. Why, why, could, why would God not just get rid of it? Could, could God get rid of it? Is it that he's not? Well, yes, he can, he can get rid of it. He's, he's absolutely powerful enough. He holds the whole world in his hands. With a click of a finger, he could change the whole situation. But if the Bible and church and Christian history has taught us anything, it's that God uses awful situations like this to bring about his purposes in a way that could never have happened before. Not necessarily just a removal of the virus, but he can do something and wants to do something far better than just getting rid of this awful virus. 
This work I heard about some words that someone had painted um, somewhere in Hong Kong recently. Um, this was possibly to do with some of the political tensions there at the moment. But um, I, I believe that these words apply to also to us, especially the church, in the time of the coronavirus. These are the words. They said, we won't go back to normal because normal was the problem. We won't go back to normal because normal was the problem. Now, many of us at this point in time cannot wait until this is all over so that things can just go back to normal. Those of you who are extroverts just are dying to be able to meet with people again and just hang out and chat and, and, and be social. Those of us who are introverts, not much will change. No, maybe some will change. Um, but we want things to go back to normal. We want to be able to shop again as normal. We want to go back to work and be able to play and hang out. We want to go back, go to church as usual. Um, but what if, what if God doesn't want everything to just go back to normal at the end of all this? What if he wants the church to come out the other side of this transformed? What if he wants us to be different? What if he wants the church to be changed at the end of all of this? What if we said we won't go back to normal because normal was the problem? Normal, if we're honest, for us as the body of Christ in a Western country, in a place like Perth, was comfortable. Normal was much of the time just going through the motions. Normal was going to church on Sunday rather than really being the church every day. What's not normal for us, at least in the Western church, is something like Acts 2, 42 to 47, where all the believers were meeting together every day and passionate about the word and prayer and sharing absolutely everything that they had so that no one was in need. And it says that no one was in need. And seeing new people come to faith every single day, that is not normal for us. We might see the occasional person come to faith every other month at most, but every single day, that's exceptional. What if God is using the coronavirus to prepare his people for a change? To come out the other side of this not just things as per normal, but to come out the other side different. I was thinking about this uh, this week, and I felt like God brought my attention back to what the believers uh, did before Acts chapter 2, before Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was, was poured out and before this beautiful picture of the church just thriving. What actually led to that? What led to this mighty move of God where the Spirit was released and they just saw God move in power? Uh, Mark and I actually preached on this about seven years ago, just under seven years ago. And this is when we had first started doing video recordings. Uh, this is when we did, a, we did a short series on Acts chapters chapters one to four. Um, and so I went into the vault and had a look through. Um, and, and I thought I'd play a bit of this clip for you now. You just have to promise not to laugh. Here's the clip. We're present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and Judas. It's 11. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Essentially, they just did what they knew they could do. 
Jesus had taught them, stick together, pray. Pretty simple. I think we can do that. I guess that's just what we'll do now. And we'll, we'll wait, like Jesus said. And this is where it all begins. These, this really short phrase. They met together and they united in prayer constantly. They met together, they're uniting in prayer. Now, if you're someone like me who likes to strategize and be all spiritual and follow 10 points to be filled with the Spirit, you're likely to say, well, meeting together and uniting in prayer, that's just what we do all the time. Like that, you know, we're used to that. And, you know, it's, surely it's a bit more kind of complicated or, you know, special than that. But no, this was the launching pad to one of the most powerful amazing, mighty works of the Holy Spirit that the world has ever seen. An ordinary bunch of people, they met together and they were united in prayer. So uh, I know what you're thinking. Um, I put on a few kilos by then. Um, bit of a dad bod, but it's uh, beside the point. Ever since that sermon series back in uh, 2013... Those words from Acts chapter 1, I think verse 14, have, have, have really stuck with me um, and been in, ingrained in my mind. The believers at this time, they're just stuck at home. They're stuck in this room upstairs with not a big group of them together, just waiting. They are most likely scared and, and unsure. And what's happened is Jesus has been with them for this period of time. Then he died and then he rose again and it's all great. And then, but then he... he he heads off to heaven, he ascends, and he just said to them, look, you guys have just got to hold tight for a while. Just wait. Just pray. That's it. They're just there waiting. And so together, that's what they do. They heed Jesus' words, and constantly they unite together in prayer. So what happens then? Well, as they join together in prayer, the Holy Spirit in, at the right time, is poured out upon them, and a revival begins to break out. Peter, at first, he's filled with the Spirit, and, and he preaches the gospel, and 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus in one hit. The church is just set on fire. Miracles begin to happen. Things did not go back to normal at all. It wasn't just... Business as usual, things had changed completely. I see so much overlap between that period in Acts chapter 1 of, of waiting and our time of waiting now in the midst of the coronavirus. We have seen Jesus at work in our history as, as a church family at the Billabong and in recent years, no matter where you're, look, you're watching from. We have seen that God is alive. We've seen him do amazing things, establish his kingdom on earth. God is not dead. But now we are in a time when we must simply wait. We, we just need to sit tight. The best thing we can do is, is, is heed the advice around us to, to stay at home as much as we can, not to spread this virus. We're just being called to, to wait and sit still. And we can either do that by keeping ourselves really busy and just, and just getting on with things and working lots from home and, and doing things and catching up on things, or we can wait by doing what those believers did in the upper room. Together, they prayed. They positioned themselves 
spiritually for a move of God, for what was to come. There were other followers of Jesus who missed out on this. The other followers of Jesus who had been with him all this time, they were just out trying to get on with life, business as usual, back to normal. It's like, well, Jesus is gone now. What's, what, what's, what's the point? But there was this one group in that upper room that we read in Acts chapter 1 stopped and they waited and they prayed. What if God is saying to his church right now the same as what he said in Acts chapter 1? Wait for the gift my father promised. Wait and pray right now. I'm about to pour out my spirit again. What if God is saying that to us right now? In the last 12 months, as I've been um, praying with different people, um, I've been listening a bit to what other Christian leaders uh, feel like God is saying to his church at this point in time. Um, Not just right now, but in in recent times, in the last year or so. And it just seems like God is, is stirring in people's hearts all across the world a desire for another move of God like the revivals of history. Some of you may know of some of these, the Hebrides Revival, the Welsh Revival, just times when, uh, as one person put it, the normal work of the Holy Spirit, drawing people to the Father's heart one by one, is the same, but it's accelerated. When the normal work of the Holy Spirit just goes faster and is accelerated. And when I pray with people about this, in, in recent in, in, in recent months and in the last year, when I've been praying with people about this, um, and when I ask God to, to do it again in our time, I get excited and my faith grows. And it's like, maybe God, you could really move powerfully even in my lifetime, like you have in lifetimes that have gone. But then I kind of, if I'm honest, I kind of stop and go, uh, yeah, but I don't know if that could really happen in my time. I mean, I probably shouldn't get too hopeful because if it doesn't happen, that's going to be disappointing. Maybe I ought to just step back a bit, God. I preached a couple of sermons last year saying that as we plant the seeds of revival, seeds of prayer and faith, that those seeds can grow into a mighty move of God in our time. I preach on that and I believe for it. And then, and then if, if I'm honest, I just think, oh, hang on a second. Maybe I'm dreaming here. Maybe this is just, maybe this is too big of a hope and a dream and a vision. But then something like the coronavirus happens. And the whole world is shaken almost overnight. And I'm reminded that God can do something just as transformative, just as powerful as the coronavirus, just like that, the click of his fingers. But, but, but not something that takes life. God can move in such a way, if he wants, that thousands, even millions of people find life, not lose their lives. And it can start just as it did for the early church as we unite constantly in prayer. There are many, many people in these last few weeks who have been sharing with me and sharing across our city uh, this verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, you might ask, what's that bit about our wicked ways? What's that got to do with it? Well, partway through last year, I said from this pulpit that corporate renewal, this concept of God transforming the church, transforming the world even, it starts actually with personal renewal. It starts with you and I as individuals. It starts small, us becoming vulnerable before God, confessing our sin, confessing our failing, and asking him to purify us one by one to change us, to transform us. Uh, Right now, this time of the coronavirus is the perfect time to allow God to smash the idols in our life. We we all have them. We, We don't have to be ashamed of that as if we are worse than anyone else. We all have things we worship alongside or instead of God. Um, I heard someone say it this way this week, that pressure reveals priorities. And I've seen this in my life in the last two weeks, that as the pressure comes from this situation that we're in right now, what comes to the surface in my life and my heart is what I really prioritize, and unfortunately, it's not always God. It's, it's just a whole heap of other things that I, I want, things that are selfish. And we see this, this selfishness, this self-worship in our world at the moment all over the place because of the pressure this virus is bringing. Some of it is just silly stuff like stockpiling toilet paper, some people you know, grabbing packs out of other people's trolleys because they only care for themselves. But some of it's more serious. There's been a sentiment in some circles in recent weeks that rather than spending billions to protect those, especially those who are most at risk, i.e. the elderly, that we should just let the virus run its course and protect the economy. In other words, we should sacrifice the elderly to the God of Mammon. This, this pressure that the virus is creating is revealing the priorities of the human heart. But this is true for all of us. To some extent, we're all like this. What is it bringing to the surface for you? Some of us, we worship the TV. Some of us worship social media. Some of us worship church on a Sunday morning. Not to confuse that with God himself. Some of us worship our positions or status or our work or our money. Some of us worship our family. But when we're stuck with them for 24 hours a day, we realize that that was misplaced. No, I'm just kidding. Um, It's great spending time, more time at home at the moment. All of those things are being revealed as inadequate gods gods in this season. And they will fail us if they haven't already failed us. I believe that God will use this season that we are in right now to show us what the false gods are in our lives so they can be smashed to pieces. So let me ask you, what might happen if in this time we all ended up on our knees before God Saying, God, you're all I've got. Everything else is crumbling. 
I've trusted in other things and they're failing, but now I want to trust you completely. Come near to me, God. Be my everything. What would happen if we did that? When we get to that point, God will respond and he'll say this, Now, my child, I can really use you to establish my kingdom on earth. And I think we'll see God move like we've never seen before in this generation. So what does that look like? What does it look like to commit ourselves to to prayer and complete commitment to God like this? It's all very well to say, oh, well, Acts 1.14 said the believers united together constantly in prayer. So let's just pray. Let's just pray lots. But is there something they prayed for? Is there some guidance from the early church we can look to here? The thing about the early church in the book of Acts was that they didn't just receive the Holy Spirit to be empowered to witness and minister and bring God's kingdom to earth once. It didn't just like, okay, you've got the Holy Spirit now, now go out, you're good for the rest of your life. As they ministered and as they witnessed, as they saw the kingdom expand through their lives as the Holy Spirit had empowered them, they came back again and again to position themselves in prayer. And as they did that, each time, God poured out his spirit upon them again and again and again. And we see this happen numerous times, even just in the book of Acts. The first time that the spirit is poured out as they're positioned in prayer is what we read in Acts chapter 2. We know it as the day of Pentecost. Um, It's when that that famous passage, a sound like a rushing wind comes in, fills the place where they're praying. They speak in other languages. um, And that leads uh, first to Peter sharing the gospel to thousands, as I mentioned. Um, Then they they see a lame man healed. They speak about Jesus some more. That leads to some pushback. They come before the Sanhedrin. They get told to shut up, but they eventually are released. And then let me read to you what happens next in Acts chapter 4. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? David said, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did this, sorry, sorry, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What they're doing here is simply praying to God a recognition of the fact that there are opponents to God's work and purposes. They're recognizing that God made the heavens and the earth and it was good, but other things, other people, other forces come against this beauty that he has created. They're not hiding away from that. They're not shying away. They're praying with hands raised together, God, this isn't what you want. This isn't the way it's meant to be. There's a force coming against your good and perfect plan. But we recognize that you know all this and you are still in control. And that's what we need to do, friends. We need to get honest with God at this time and say, God, 
this really stinks. This virus and the way so much of the world is reacting right now, even the way our hearts are responding, if we're honest, it isn't what you want. This fear and this pain and this grief, it's not from you, God. But you're still in control of it all. And we believe that. Then listen to what they pray next. Now, Lord, consider their threats. In other words, Lord, the stuff that comes against us right now and against your purposes and your beauty, we recognize it and we give it over to you. It's in your hands, God. We place it in your hands. Secondly, they pray, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Despite the circumstances, God, empower us again to speak the good news and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, may the good news that we preach be confirmed and supported by the undeniable miraculous work of God in people's lives. And friends, this is what we must pray. Let me summarize it for you. We place it all in God's hands. We say, Father, all the stuff that's going on around us right now, all that comes against you and, and, and against your people, consider this, Lord. Take it. Play, we place it in your hands. We recognize all of it and we give it over to you. You're in control. Lord, protect us where possible. Give us peace where things can't be changed. But we leave it with you. We then pray, God, give us boldness to preach the good news. Embolden us to speak your word, Lord, to bring hope to the hopeless, to point us to Jesus. And finally, we pray, Holy Spirit, in all this, go with us. Be with us. Work through us. May the words we speak be confirmed as truth as you work miracles in the lives of those we speak to, as you open their hearts, as you provide for them in supernatural ways. Holy Spirit, go with us so that this gospel way we preach may not land on rocky or tough soil, but on soft soil, soft hearts that you have prepared because you have been at work in their lives. All this is... These three things, to pray that, God, we put everything, our whole lives in your hands. We pray for boldness to preach the good news, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to go with us. All this is, is simply praying and doing what Jesus did. This was, this was all Jesus did. He continually placed his life in his Father's hands. Morning and evening, he prayed. He committed himself to time with his Father. He then spoke the good news, and he went around and healed the sick and worked miracles as the Spirit enabled him, which created openness to his message. This is what the first believers prayed for, because this is what they saw their Savior and Master and Teacher doing. And what happened next is this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What if Jesus is saying to his church right now what he said to the believers in Acts chapter 1? What if what he's saying right now is, my children, wait for the gift my father has promised you. 
pray and wait because I'm about to pour out my spirit again. What if we prayed placing everything around us, our whole lives in God's hands, asking him for boldness to preach the gospel and for his spirit to go work with us to work miraculously in people's lives that they might hear the good news and receive it? What if we positioned ourselves in prayer for a move of God? When we describe the vision of our, our little church family um, about uh, just over a year ago, uh, ago we, we reworded, reframed the vision as um, to include this phrase, seeing, to see whole communities, to see communities being transformed. When, when we said that was the vision, communities being transformed, I've got to be honest, my feeling was on the one hand, that's awesome. That's an only God vision. God, if we could be part of you transforming commun- whole communities, that's awesome. But then on the other hand, in my heart, I really was saying, but I'm not sure I see this happening. I mean, I I know I'm not supposed to say that from the pulpit. I'm supposed to say I believe the vision of our church wholeheartedly as as the pastor. But if I'm really honest, I was kind of looking at that and going, and I have looked at that going, God, sometimes we can't even get along. I don't know how you're going to use this to transform whole communities. But in the last two weeks... I've started to believe again that it might just be possible. You know, this, friends, might be possible in our time, in your lifetime, in my lifetime. This might just start happening now. Revival in the church, renewal in the world. What if Pentecost happened again? What if thousands came to faith because God poured out his spirit on his church, even on this church, even on your church, wherever you're watching from, again, now, because we positioned ourselves, not in busyness and running around trying to scramble, but positioned ourselves in prayer, as those first believers did. You know, I hadn't really intended to share this message at this point in time. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to wait until after Easter. We'll, we'll do Easter and then I'll just sit on it some more and then maybe down the track it'll be appropriate. But I, I sat there this week thinking, you know what, this Easter, next weekend, I mean, it's amazing to think it's literally, you know, one week from now we'll be, we'll be sitting in our Easter Sunday celebration. This Easter is an opportunity we may never see again. It's an Easter that we may look back on as a, as a time when God moved in people's hearts like never before. When people who've never really even given God a second thought, for some reason, seek out the church at this particular time. Friends, Holy Week starts now. It starts today. And I would like to ask you humbly to do two things this week. Firstly, to pray. We're declaring this week as a week of prayer to ask God to renew us, to move among us, to to use us to release his kingdom on the earth. Uh, We're covering this holy week as a church family with 100 hours of prayer, um, starting right about now at 11 a.m. and then from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. each day with at least one person praying in every one-hour slot. That totals 100 hours between now and Saturday evening.
You'll find details on our website, uh, or once this service is finished, you can you can click the link that pops up below um, this video to sign up uh, to as many one-hour slots as you would like. Even if you're not part of our church family, you are now right at this moment, so we'd love you to join in as well. But secondly, I want to ask you, along with praying this week and being part of that prayer roster, to share the good news of Jesus with someone this Easter. Maybe that's just asking someone if they've thought about the meaning of this weekend, if they've thought about Jesus' death and resurrection before. Uh, Maybe it's offering to pray for someone because of the time we're in, just for comfort, and as you do, you just share, hey, look, it's Easter soon. Jesus died for you. He really wants you to know his love. If you want to hear about that anymore, I'd love to share with you. Maybe it's inviting someone to Good Friday or Easter Sunday at our church online services. I mentioned already that we're putting together something um, really special, especially for Good Friday, something that I, I, I really believe God's going to use to touch hearts. It might just be that a friend of yours uh, wouldn't dare walk through the, church, the, the doors of a church, but they'd be happy to click a link and jump on a website. Who knows what God might do this Easter through this new medium. It may be an opportunity like we've never had before and will not have after this has passed. Um, As we close our time this morning, I just want to pray, finish by praying that God would take all the stuff that we've worried about, that we are worried about, all of the pressure that's on us right now that's coming from all angles, that we would say, God, we place it in your hands, that he would embolden us to share the good news, and that the Holy Spirit would go with us to miraculously open the hearts of those we interact with this week, that they might find new life in Jesus, their Saviour. Let's pray. God, as we gather here in this digital way this morning, and as we step into Holy Week, We position ourselves, Lord, in prayer. God, we position ourselves spiritually that you might form us, renew us, mold us, purify us as followers of Jesus. As we confess our sins to you, as we let you transform us to become more like Christ. Lord, we ask that you would do a renewing work, not just in us individually, but in us as a church community and as believers all across this city and beyond. Father, we ask that you would embolden us to preach the gospel, that you would place on our hearts those whom you have, whom you are preparing to hear the good news, who are becoming more receptive in this time. And Lord, would you prompt us And give us courage to share the love of Jesus with those we know, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, our family. And, And Holy Spirit, would you go with us as we give everything over to you. We ask for your boldness to preach. Holy Spirit, would you go before us and just work in supernatural ways in people's lives. Preparing them for the gospel in ways that we could never orchestrate, but only you, Holy Spirit, in your wisdom and your beauty and in your love can do. Father, we give ourselves to you completely as your servants 
and as your children to represent you in this time, in this place, in this world. We pray, Lord, that your kingdom would come in power as we make ourselves available to serve you at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...